This podcast is sponsored by valleygivesback.org. What will you be remembered for? Name a Valley nonprofit in your estate plan and create a legacy that tells future generations what matter to you. Making a gift that costs nothing during your lifetime is easy and revocable if things change. With a planned gift, you have the power to impact the Valley forever without affecting your current lifestyle. Your action inspires others to make a difference in their own way. Remember the Valley. Ask your accountant, financial planner, or attorney about planned giving options. Plan now. Give later. Impact tomorrow. Learn more at valleygivesback.org. Directly How are the, the levels? Mics. Are you checking them? Hello? Yeah. Hello? Hello? Is this Kurt yeah. Miller? <laughs> the Honorable Kurt Miller. All right, here we go. We're going to start. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Naval Gazing, the Valley Indies weekly podcast. We have an action-packed episode, maybe. Either that or we're going to bore you to tears. It's our post-election podcast. Let me go around the table here at the Valley Indies office at 158 Main Street in Ansonia, third floor, and introduce our guest today. It is, we got Murderer's Row here, Ethan Fry, the other reporter. Across from me, not that you need to know that because this is a podcast, is Mr. David Papson, the chairman of the Ansonia Republican Town Committee. David, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me, as always. And then next to David is Tarek Raslin, the chairman of the Ansonia Town Democratic Committee. Hello, Tarek. Hello, gentlemen. And you guys got to speak into that microphone or no one is going to hear anything you say. All right. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, world. Am I working? also joining us tonight is Stefan Bohuniak, the chairman of the Seymour Democratic Town Committee. Good evening. Last but least is... Seymour First Selectman, joining us from California, where he's on some type of hunting for agents, getting an acting gig. I don't know what's happening. On the phone is Mr. Kurt Miller. Kurt, say... Did he hang up? Kurt, say hello. No, I'm just kidding. I want to have a little fun with you. Uh, <laughs> so I guess we're going to start with Kurt because of this uh, highly technologically advanced uh, rig we've set up. We're we should gonna... have done this from, like, bar none, with noise in the background. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so talking to Kurt Miller, who's, uh, Kurt, where are you exactly, and where who are you with in uh, California, just to start off? Uh, I am in uh, Los Angeles. I'm at the uh, National League of Cities. I'm out here with a bunch of mayors and first selectmen from uh, Connecticut. I saw you and uh, Mayor Loretti from Shelton. Uh, it looks like you were enjoying some uh, seaside dinner. What, what was that about? Oh, uh, yeah, it was myself and uh, Mayor Loretti, Mayor O'Leary. Uh, from Waterbury, uh, First Selectman Leo Paul, and uh, Joe DeLong. We're actually having a meeting regarding CCM. We have some stuff upcoming. Uh, started working on our legislative agenda, stuff like that. So we figured what better place to do it than on the beach in Malibu. And can you uh, can you ask the First Selectman if uh, Mayor Loretti's asked about us, Ethan? Has right now. <laughs> Is he wondering how we are? Eugene wants to know if Mayor Loretti has uh, asked about us. 
He did. He did. He he misses you, and he would like to come on the show. No idea. He said you guys never invite him. (laughs) I I know he's a big podcast guy, right? (laughs) He'll try to print out this podcast. Huge podcast fan, right. So uh, one of the reasons we're uh, calling you is uh, you just uh, wrapped up a campaign, a state campaign. You ran for controller against Kevin Lembo. Uh, came up short, just uh, obviously Kevin Lembo won that race, uh, the incumbent Democratic state controller. Uh, the Democrats swept the uh, statewide offices. I guess just to start out, uh, what was your what were your impressions of the race? How are you feeling uh, three days after the uh, the results came in? I mean, I, f- I feel fine. I thought we gave it a good uh, a good effort. Obviously, uh, Comptroller Lebo, in my opinion, was probably the toughest one of the group uh, to beat. Uh, we wanted to make sure that he had a race. Um, and I think you know, we were able to accomplish that. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think the state of Connecticut wanted to go in a different direction than uh, what the Republican ticket uh, had put out there. And you know, we uh, respond to the will of the people. So I'm very much looking forward to, uh, to getting back to work, uh, particularly with CCM and promoting our legislative agenda. So I'll just be doing the same work, same lobbying, just uh, from a different angle. That's all. And CCM is the Connecticut Conference of Municipalities. It's basically the lobbying group that, that, that lobbies state government on behalf of the 169 towns and cities in Connecticut. Um, a lot of a lot of the a lot of uh, statewide races uh, at the under ticket level, uh, you see someone like yourself running uh, and losing to sort of get their name out there for a subsequent run for a, a higher office. Do you uh, have any plans or entertain any visions of, of, of running for statewide office again? And, and is Loretti still going to run for mayor in Bridgeport? Questions. I'll answer the Loretti one first. You'll have to ask him directly. Uh, but you, ne- you never know what Mayor Loretti is going to do. Uh, I'll leave it at that. But for me, I got in the race because I was uh, tired of the towns and cities, particularly ones that were run well, uh, having their finances cut by the inability of the state of Connecticut to properly manage their finances. So I have no aspirations uh, beyond this. So looking forward to uh 2019 and running for first select missy more again and just in terms of like the bigger uh state picture um kurt the democrats are here whispering something i'm not sure what they're saying <laughs> like go, going into this news. governor's race what'd you say um, i can't you speak into the microphone it, nobody's it, gonna hear worry, you is it kurt, news that he's running in 2019 i thought the last last we heard from kurt was that he wasn't gonna run uh, relay that to him i don't know uh, those words never came out of my mouth yeah um, I said that I was undecided as to what I would do. He's claiming he, he always eyes said he was just lighting up right <laughs> now. This prospect. <laughs> okay, and and in terms of just the the larger sort of state picture, what happened to the Republicans? Yeah, like, How did they lose? Governor Malloy is the most unpopular governor in the history of mankind. Historically unpopular, and then in the Republicans uh, somehow lost every statewide race. Well, I think what you saw, um, you know, there was some animosity out there, I think, with regards to the president. I'm not using that as an excuse. Uh, I think what you saw was redder communities, or red communities got redder, bluer communities got bluer. Um, I think if you go back and you look at the breakdown of the numbers, um, that's what you would see. And, you know, unfortunately for the Republicans, um, while we win, generally win more communities, 
uh, in the state than the Democrats do. The Democrats win the larger the larger cities. Uh, it's very hard to compete with that, particularly when you're losing five, six, seven to one in places like Hartford and New Haven and Waterbury and Bridgeport. I mean, those are big numbers to make up in in smaller suburbs. So. Like, do you think well, Stefanowski did anything to appeal to people who live in our large cities? Like, did he do anything to try to? I mean, obviously that was known going in, right, Ethan? Do you think Stefanowski tried to appeal to voters in cities? I mean, he had he, like the demographics were were apparent going in, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think we as Republicans need to do a better job in the cities. Uh, it can't be just at election time. Um, you know, we need to have people that are in the cities constantly. That's the only way it's going to be. I think if you just show up during campaign season, you're simply uh, pandering to those voters, and I think they're smart enough to see through that. Uh, they want people that uh, spend time in the cities, care about the cities, understand the city's issues, and I think until we start doing that as a party, I think this is what we're going to see uh, for years to come. And do you think the uh, state? Oh, do you think there there needs Sorry. to be a change of leadership uh, at the state uh, legislature, the caucus level, or the the uh, the um, the state chairman level? Um, I, I don't necessarily think so. Um, I know there's there's some talk of that, and I think that's going to need to be discussed more um, in the coming weeks. I don't think we should be making any decisions uh, three days after election. A lot of the um, losses uh, were just weird. I mean, if you go down to Greenwich, a place that Republicans generally win by seven or 8,000 votes year in and year out. Uh, Bob Stefanowski won. I won by 1,000 votes. But uh, Senator Franz lost. Lifelong guy. Uh, Mike, State Rep. Bocaccino lost. Um, but State Rep. Camello won. So a lot of those races come down to local. That's one of the things that we tried to stress out on the campaign trail is that you have to keep your politics local. You have to get out and work for your people, and that will kind of move its way up to the top. And, you know, I think it was just a, uh, a funky year. I'm going to be honest, I don't think Republicans were going to win this election regardless. There was just too much um, against uh, what was going on. Like what? Do you think ba it wouldn't do you so Mark Mark Bowden would have lost this election? You think? Do I think Mark Bowden would have lost this election? I don't. I actually think Mark Bowden would have won. Um, <clears throat> you know, the problem we have, and this is on, on both sides, is we're pulled too far either to the left or to the right when we try to get nominations, and you know we need to start producing candidates that appeal to not just Republicans but repeal to unaffiliated voters as well as more moderate Democrats. I think Mayor Bowton would have done that. Um, so it's disappointing that he didn't get the nomination. But, listen, Bob went out and worked hard. Um, it's just I don't think his message um, was impactful enough to move those moderate Democrats, Democrats and to sway the unaffiliated voters. So, I mean, you said Bowden would have won, but then you you said before you don't think the Republicans, Republicans could have won. So, I mean, if they had tried to if they had tried to move to the center and distance them, them distance themselves from the president, wouldn't that have helped them? Oh, could have won in the way we proceeded forward. Okay. Okay. Had Mark Bowden won the primary, I think we proceed forward in a different way. Is what I'm saying. Okay. Uh, anything else uh, you'd want to note or uh, 
or stress to, to I don't I don't know. You just forgot. Do you think where Brody he is. Van Wegeren's gonna re-sign Jacob Degrom? <laughs> um, I think he is big contract. Okay. Another uh, extremely successful year by the Mets. Okay, I think that's a at least till June before we uh, we turn it off in disgust. Okay, I think that's a good note to end on the universal uh, disdain of every Mets fan uh, alive. So thanks, Kurt, for uh, calling us for a few minutes from uh, like from now. Malibu or, or wherever, wherever it is you are. Stay on the line and chime in every now and again if you guys don't mind. If you have the technology to do that, yeah, I just I, I we, it would not uh, work too well. I, we we've got to get a make a donation to uh, to <laughs> us. And, uh, we'll, we'll try to figure that out. Well, like we talked about at the last one, I'm I'm ready to uh, have my own podcast. Okay. Work in progress. Well, hey, we'll, if you we'll, had won the race, maybe, maybe <laughs> I don't know. We need time. He's a big <laughs> we'll, time name. We'll, we'll keep those talks ongoing. All right, boys. Have a good time tonight. You too. Thank you. Take it Thank easy, you. Kurt. Hey, this is Eugene, most likely interrupting myself to bring you a word from our sponsor, valleygivesback.org. What will you be remembered for? Name a Valley nonprofit in your estate plan and create a legacy that tells future generations what matter to you. Making a gift that costs nothing during your lifetime is easy and revocable if things change. With a planned gift, you have the power to impact the Valley forever without affecting your current lifestyle. Your action inspires others to make a difference in their own way. Remember the Valley. Ask your accountant, financial planner, or attorney about planned giving options. Plan now. Give later. Impact tomorrow. Learn more at valleygivesback.org. All right, so that was Kurt Mello, the Seymour first selectman. David Papson, you wanted to, the chairman of the Ansonia Town Republican Committee, you had uh, interjected something, but we rudely cut you off. No, no what way, point sorry. were you going to make there? Uh, I was just going to say also, that. And also, yeah, right into that thing. Am I close enough now? All right. Uh, no, I just and wanted just to up. reemphasize on what Kurt had to say is that Republicans really need to do a better job in the cities. And what that comes to is not approaching uh, these big cities like Hartford and New Haven from a party standpoint, but from a local standpoint. And that's, you know, really listening to what the people need, uh, what they want. And I think if they do that rather than just coming into an election and saying, I'm a Republican, this is what I stand for. Um, I think that we'll see a lot more, you know, better results in the cities, whether or not it means, you know, having a Republican mayor of Hartford or if it's just a councilman, a Republican councilman in Hartford, something along those lines. One thing that I saw on our Facebook page today, and we're recording this on uh, Friday, uh, November 9th, uh, we put some articles, analysis, or whatever it was from, from some of the state uh, media, not the state-run media, but like the Hartford Current and whatnot, and people's reaction uh, was intense. This is from... Uh, to, to Lamont's win specifically, Michael Goki. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I think it boils down. What it boils down to is the inner cities like Bridgeport, New Haven, and Hartford. Those people dictate how the rest of the state live, and there's variations of that many times. Joe Tiozzo, inner cities drive the votes and control the state's future. 160 towns in Connecticut, Lamont only won 48 of them. I wonder what percentage of voters in New Haven, Hartford, and Bridgeport who don't even work or pay taxes to begin with. Anyone want to take an over under? So, and that was happening again and again. And uh, I don't know if anybody wants to jump around and react to that, but that's something you hear again and again. I pointed out to one guy, 
It's not the city. It's just the inner city. It's one neighborhood <laughs> that does this. It's not like in New Haven. It's only the inner city. It's not like Yale professors voting for Lamont. And I wanted to ask Miller that, but he's. It's a, yeah. It's it's wild how the person getting the most votes wins the election. Crazy, it's a weird, weird concept. <laughs> so, do you unbelievable? Think, really, I mean, in terms of the cities, I mean, you just said how. But what's your reaction? Because you probably have, you've had to heard that before. That's not the first time you've heard oh, a reaction no doubt. like that. No doubt. I mean, I've heard this for a while now that Republicans always struggle in the inner cities. Even in some cities where we might have Republican leadership, the towns typically vote to uh, go Democrat, um, whether it's a midterm election or a presidential election. But this blame that sort of. I mean, there's a sense of blame there and that Republicans probably could have done more on the issues in the inner cities, uh, looking at, you know, the evolving job industries that these cities are really incorporating that of information technology, things like, uh, and the other, the other thing is like people want, f- they, you always, we saw this a bunch of times today. Yeah. It's just people who want free stuff, I guess it's saying welfare. And that's why uh, Republicans will never win. I mean, I think that's, I think that's a pretty biased way of looking at it. Um, you know, there are people in the cities that do vote Republican. There's people in the cities that vote Democrat. It's just a matter of how they think their leaders would suit their cities. And in some cases, yes, I think uh, more people, whether you're even in the inner cities or you're in a rural community, suburban community, I think everybody needs to make sure that they're educated on their um, election choices. Um, Maybe it's not done as well in the inner cities as it's done in the suburbs. Uh, Maybe it is, depending on where you are. Well, do you think... uh Stefanowski uh, or the Republicans lost the governorship because of the candidate or because cities are just, no matter what, going to vote for a Democrat? I'd say it's a mixture of both. I think more could have been done uh, from the party to target these inner cities. And at the same time, I think inner cities are uh, pretty bound to vote Democrat just based on trends. So it's a mixture of both. And then uh, to Tarek or, or Stefan, I mean, you guys are Democrats. Uh, do you just are you just Democrats because you want free stuff? <laughs> oh yeah, I love free stuff. Um, how do you what do you no, but, but react? I mean, you, you read some of those because you were in there today. I'm a oh, Republican, it, I love free college, but yeah, sure. So I, I without insulting your readers, um, and well, your neighbor, our neighbors, and too, getting and yeah. get well, sure, and getting myself into trouble. I will just say that I can make an equally idiotic argument about why Stefanowski came so close. I could say that, you know, it's just the farmers in northeastern Connecticut who just, you know, wanted to sit there with their guns and never, you know, interact with the government at all. And they voted for Stefanowski just for that reason. So should we allow our state to be that close to being red because of that? No, it's a stupid argument, just like it's a stupid argument that the inner cities dictate everything. Lamont got more votes. Democrats got more votes up and down the, you know, up and down the line. And that's why they won. Every person got one vote. And the people who chose to vote, more of them went for Lamont than Stefanowski. It doesn't matter where they came from. They all came from Connecticut. Yeah, there's no electoral More people live in, this, in the cities. That's yeah. it, frankly. But it's not just a city phenomenon either. I mean, it's really, you know, it's, a, it's, a co- it's, it's the same sort of divide that you see in the rest of the country, which is you have more densely populated economic centers going more pr- progressive in their politics, and then you have more rural working class, uh, you know, sections of the country and in Connecticut that are going trending more Republican. Uh, That trend holds true pretty much throughout the country. It's true in the reddest state in the country. It's true in the bluest state in the country. Um, You know, you have Republican candidates getting elected in California, you know, and you have Democrat candidates getting elected in in Texas, um, in Alabama, for that matter, in a statewide Senate race. So, you know, it really is this trend of urban 
economic centers versus rural, less affluent um, demographics in the, in the country is this is the divide that's it's no longer so 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 clear in terms of geographic Mason Dixon lines and this kind of thing. It's more about areas where the economy seems to be working well and areas where job growth frankly hasn't recovered you know into what it was 40 years ago and um, I think that's true in Connecticut and I think it's you know that that, that trends true in the country and we've got it you know right here and Nanagatuck Valley is you know a microcosm of that and then in terms of getting back to David uh, for a second I was uh, I mean first of all I thought Stefanowski was going to pull it out I think some of that is probably because uh, I get so much information and feedback from our Facebook page. I, I probably, I don't know, my views get a little, or my, not that I was voting either way for him, but I thought he was going to win. Uh, he lost, he lost. It's, it wasn't a huge shock that he lost, but man, I didn't think there was any <laughs> way the Democrats would make the gains they did uh, in the state house and the state Senate. What happened there? I think from the Republican standpoint, we may have gotten a little bit too complacent. Um, I always tried to tell people that, listen, this is not lock and key. This is not all said and done. Like Connecticut is a blue state. We have a lot of work to do. We have a lot more issues to press on. And I think despite how close it was, you know, there was a lot more that we could have done. Um, like on those on the inner cities, looking at those information technology jobs and infrastructure projects that people care about in those cities, even in the suburbs, talking about you know cutting taxes and cutting regulations, and or in the rural places so that like farmers can grow and stuff like that. There was a lot more that could have been done from the, from the Republican standpoint, and at the same time, the Democrats were very energized in this election cycle. Um, I don't know if that's just coming from it's it's I think it's a, a mixture of uh, Trump hatred and the fact that Connecticut is a blue state. Um, but I have heard from a lot of people that nobody really expected Ned Lamont to be our governor um, come Wednesday morning. A lot of people expected that it was going to be Bob. And people have been saying for years now that, um, I mean, I go back as far as 2015 when people are saying, oh, you know, we got Malloy again. That means we're definitely going red in 2018. Um, so I think Republicans really need to look at this as a reality check that we have a lot more work to do. Democrat, I wouldn't say it was... Stefan Bohuniak. Sorry. I wouldn't say it was necessarily um, the enthusiasm as much as the organization. Democrats organized the hell out of the state everywhere, every corner. Uh, we campaigned for every seat that we thought we could win, and we won a lot of them. And the Republicans, to David's point, were a little complacent. I think a lot of Republican leaders have, have admitted as such. Um, they ignored ground game in a lot of areas. They focused on buzzwords and um, you know yeah, just kind of fear. Yeah, like the difference as somebody who's not on the sure. ground. Sure. So so campaigning really needs to be voter outreach and, and direct voter contact, and not this kind of broad brush taxes or just a like buzzword. Like playing the, the, the Chaz AJ clip right. over and over yeah, again. Yeah, putting putting a, <laughs> right. No, I, that's not. No, a no, no. Every every time. Time. That was everywhere. Every just got worse. Yeah. Putting, putting a thousand, putting a thousand, um, you know television ads is way less effective than knocking a thousand doors huh. if you knock a thousand doors you're mu you're going to get much better results it's and true, republican yeah, don't, yeah, like true. republicans don't grasp the primary yeah ethan you just got nobody heard a word of that what did you just say stefanowski won the primary essentially by just putting a bunch of money into tv and mm -hmm. internet ads and came out of nowhere didn't do any you know 
pressing of the flesh, typical campaign moves that you do, and just came out of nowhere and took took the Republican primary. Well, so Stefanowski that, well, so also got in there that, early, that, that too. Worked, right? Stefanowski also got in there extremely early, and that was something that we reviewed on the Republican side of things. Stefanowski's TV ads were back on in, like, what, January of this year? Um, he had the spotlight early. He was appealing to the Trump voters of Connecticut with this message of, oh, I'm a businessman, I want to cut your taxes, and people instantly latched onto that, and by the time the other Republican primary candidates got involved, that point a lot of people's you know choice was decided hmm. well stefanowski also had to win 30 percent of republicans over with those tv ads uh to win the primary to win the general you have to win you have to win 50 percent of all voters in connecticut right. and it doesn't translate do you guys want to move on now to some of the specific races that were uh, in the valley I agree with you. I agreed with you that like I just thought Malloy was so hated that Stefanowski would win. But maybe yeah. it's a lot like, you know, like you said, reading the comments from people on Facebook. And I think that was the, the mindset of everybody. Everybody thought, well, Malloy is so hated. So it's, you know, it's guaranteed for the Republicans. But it really, you can never look at a race as a guarantee. You always have to have in mind that there's the potential that you could lose. And something that we thought of is what's the best case scenario? Republicans take the governorship, the House, the Senate, and pick up uh, a couple, if not all, the under-ticket races. We also thought there was the worst case scenario, and that's that we lose everything. And unfortunately, that's what happened here. Well, so. let me ask you, pursuant to that, um, there there was uh, Malloy at a press conference yesterday where he was, you know, pretty much gloating uh where he was saying like you know the, the the republican strategy was running against me and i wasn't on the ballot so that that was a stupid strategy and whoever hatched that should you know give their you know give their salary back or whatever so do you think that there should be a, a change of leadership in the connecticut republican party well to, just to add on to that for a second as well um democrats also did campaign on the strategy of oh republicans are all in for trump so it was a two-sided coin here um i don't think that was the primary reason uh people didn't vote republican just because they hated malloy some of them many of them probably did just like people didn't vote Democrat just because they hate Trump. Some probably did in that case. Uh, with regards to state leadership, there's a lot of evaluation that needs to be done. Um, I think that the state Republican State Central Committee needs to come together and have a strategy meeting to discuss where do we go from here. Um, J.R. Romano has been leading the Connecticut Republican Party for quite some time now. Um, I've gotten to know him well. I think he's a great leader, and whatever comes out of this, I think uh, we need to have the best interests of Connecticut in mind. Then Tarek, you were looking to jump in. You've got charts. You've got color-coded yeah, I got charts. My, I got my research. A lot of numbers. Um, well, I think it's just interesting to note, you know, where where did Stefanowski and Lamont do well? I mean, I thought Lamont was going to do well in this election. The moment you thought he was going to win. I thought he was going to win, yeah. I thought I thought he was going to win actually by a larger margin, which is why I actually thought Boughton would have been a better candidate for Republicans from the beginning statewide. Given how, you turn your head that way and take the mic. Given how close yeah. this the margin was in this race, I bet that actually Boughton would have maybe would have taken it because he seems like comes across as a little bit more of a pragmatic, moderate uh, type of candidate. Um, talking, there's there's a few people that I sort of within in, within the state that I sort of use as a read as a litmus test to sort of see where their politics are, or see where they're leaning to set as an indicator. Sort of, yeah, I call them like Reagan Democrats, and. Um, you know, especially within this community, this community, um, mm. you know, actually it bucked the trend. I would, I usually say that Ansonia would predict 
most elections, but uh, in this case, it, it, it wasn't it wasn't the case. And Sonia was all over the place but, with this uh, election. Yeah. So, um, but I, I I think for you know Ste- Stefanowski won Ansonia uh, substantially. You know, he won Ansonia, uh, got fifty five percent of the votes. Um, was th- he received more votes than any gubernatorial candidate within the last decade? Wow! Um, so in, in Ansonia, um, you know, so under um, Lamont underperforming in Ansonia substantially, um, you know, and so that I think that's that's interesting, and that just goes to show people talk about you know the blue wave. This election was really put forward as you know Trump versus Malloy, mm-hmm. you know, in, in in a sense, but. Really, that that wasn't that that was true. I think in some parts of the state, you know, the blue wave was sort of real in Connecticut, but it didn't really reach. It didn't get as far up the Naugatuck. The Naugatuck River. <laughs> That's it. Well, yeah. the valley <laughs> went pretty red for the most part, from what I looked at the map. Um, it was and then mixed. You look at the, it yeah. was mixed. Um, but you know, it wasn't just inner cities that voted for Lamont. It was loads of areas um, within Fairfield County and the coastal areas. Um, I think Kurt Miller alluded to the fact that there was a seat in Greenwich, a, a rep seat in Greenwich that was held by Republicans since 1912 that flipped and went blue. I mean, yeah, there's there, a there. A, he was there's a CT mirror thing called a blue wave. Actually, the blues got bluer, but the reds also got redder that I think Miller was paraphrasing from. Right. But they went in and town by town analyzed the percentages in 2014 compared to 2018 and, and mapped it out. Uh, so if you're listening to this. Go to ctmirror.org and you could see that visualization. It's interesting to yeah. uh, to look at town by town. But what do you think happened in Ansonia? That's fascinating that uh, Stefanowski was that popular. What's going on in Ansonia? Why did he turn on uh, so many people as two guys who uh, live in Ansonia and are deeply involved in the community? Whoever yeah. wants to I go mean, on. Ansonia always, uh, for any political scientists uh, within our higher education institutions, come and research Ansonia because I think we're probably <laughs> the most interesting municipality in the state as far as, as far as politics are concerned. Uh, again, voters in Ansonia proved to be discerning um, all over the ballot. Again, this election, um, we, this town does not vo- vote party line. Um, I think if you if you just you know sort of look down the line uh, of all of the seats that were up for election here, um, and I think sort of half of them went red and half of them went went uh, Democrat more or less. Um, so it was sort of like interesting. Uh, you read down the list. Um, Ansonia voted Republican for governor, Democrat for U.S. Senate, Democrat for U.S. Rep, State Senate still. Uh, you know, undecided I guess to, un- to be determined uh, <laughs> Democrat for state rep secretary of the state I mean st- and a statewide office like secretary of the state for Denise Merrill came out pretty big 53% of the vote treasurer and then you got Kurt Miller doing pretty well in Ansonia being in the neighbor t- neighboring town one in Ansonia um, and also uh, the Republican Attorney General candidate one in Ansonia so really you know going back to what Stefan said um, I think in, in the Valley, in Ansonia, uh, you know, there's that old adage, all politics are local, so much so the case here. Um, you know, the ground game in terms of making sure you have the right message and being able to get that message, not just through TV or, you know, online, but really talking to people face to face in local politics, you can do that kind of thing. And that's exactly what happened here, um, you know, and, and yeah. It's it's very interesting. That's just, just checking so. the numbers. Logan 
or no, actually, I'm looking at the wrong year. Sorry. I mean, did, also, did, is it now neither that... guy won that race? What are you going to say? <laughs> I, mean, I, th- I think Logan won purple. comfortably enough that even if Cabrera is credited with those 200 something votes, oh, in and so Logan will still have the. Uh, no, the I think it's like 65. He's up by. So oh, it went in and so it went like 160 something. Now they found more, but that was confusing me too because I remember it was 65. And then today I was reading an article that said it went up to 160 something. 65 is the entire 17th district in just Ansonia. Logan won uh, pretty. Oh, you're saying, okay. yeah, yeah, right. For Ansonia, yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't even Ansonia, close. Ansonia, yeah. yeah. And, I, and that's what, I mean, that 17th district. Uh, let's get that, to it. Let's, yeah, all right, let's jump right into Cabrera. the 17th. So, subject. So 17th district. Uh, you've got Hamden, Beacon Falls. Um, you've got Ansonia, part of Derby. You've got Bethany, Woodbridge. Did I miss anything? I don't think so. It's all of Derby, Yeah, that perfectly makes sense. It's the one of fourth that's just part of Derby. Yeah. The Naugatuck Valley, so the Naugatuck Valley is the swing portion of that district. In that race, I, I hold true. It was true for, for Joe Crisco. It was true in this election. Um, you know, the Valley, decide, you know, ultimately, it's you know, still to be determined, but likely to decide that, that vote. He, had, he lost by, I think, close to 500 votes, Cabrera uh, versus Logan in Ansonia. Um, you know, so he's having to make up a lot, lost by bigger proportions in Naugatuck and in Beacon Falls. So, you know, these are, you can't make up all those votes, um, you know, just in Hamden and, and Woodbridge alone. So, uh, you know, the Naugatuck Valley is increasingly relevant in statewide offices and, and, and certainly for this, the 17th Senate District race. Do you think Cabrera, because one thing when I was talking to Chuck Pine after the results came in, mm-hmm. uh, the, and he's the uh, he was the campaign chairman for mm-hmm. George Logan, the Ansonia Republican incumbent state senator for the 17th District, he said that Cabrera wasn't paying attention to the Naugatuck Valley, that his plan was clearly to go into Hamden where Logan got trounced. Uh, is there any truth to that? No, there's no really, truth. Did really appear here too much? There's no truth to that. Um, and I can say, you know, I've, I went around and knocked doors with, with Cabrera here. His people were on the ground. Um, you know, it's but, you know, in any race, you have, you're going to have to sort of make a tactical decision to some extent. You have limited resources at your capacity, limited volunteer capacity. You have to decide where you're going to spend your time. Um, and I, and I, and I, do, I believe that, and I'm speaking, you know, just on my observation, not on behalf of any candidates or anything like that, um, that they spent more time in Hamden than they did in the Valley. I don't think that was in, in, at, um, you know, they, they, they were present in, in Naugatuck Valley, maybe not as much so as they were in Hamden. Did anybody think, I mean, I going into that, I just assumed uh, Logan was going to win easily because... He is an incumbent. Uh, of course, a first-term incumbent is always the most vulnerable. But I know, I mean, I just know him from here. He's popular. The guy's everywhere. He's at every community event. Uh, and Cabrera was more of a newcomer. Was anybody, What's what are people's thoughts on the, how close that is? Yeah. We don't even know there's a, there's a winner a couple of days later. Yeah, we're still uh, staying on the, uh, the edge of our feet here. Um, no, I think the race definitely took us by a surprise. Uh, like you said, Senator Logan is an incredibly popular um, senator representing our district. Um, he's not one that you know just votes based on party lines. He's based on uh, principles and practice, and I think that really resonates with the people of the Valley, to add to your point. Um, 
from our perspective, we did try to make sure that, you know, Logan was, you know, all over the place representing the people, whether it be in Ansonia, Derby, Naugatuck, Hamden, Woodbridge, wherever it might be. And that's something that we have to take into consideration now looking back on this race and whatever the results may be is uh, what were the dynamics of this race? What was turnout like? And that's something that I want to reiterate is that the energy that came out from the Democratic Party in this uh, election cycle is, I think, what made this race so close, um, which it's not really surprising for this race because it was something that we expected where Democrats will turn out and, you know, it, it could end up putting Cabrera over and it could end up making the race very close and look exactly what happened. Stefan Bahuniak, you have any thoughts on the Cabrera-Logan race? I guess my only thoughts would be I don't think um, – Logan is as popular as you would say he is if he can't win an election by more than you know a handful of votes. I will give him a lot of credit. He is present at more events than pretty much anybody I've ever seen in politics. Um, but I think it was it was a uh, a well fought campaign. I think like most Democrats, uh, Cabrera had a better ground strategy than Logan, and I think that's where he found his votes. But doesn't Logan have a good ground strategy? By just being everywhere, isn't that the whole voter it's, outreach it's, you're talking about? It's yes, that's, that's one component that's, of it. That's it's not, not bad, but that's not everything. That's not dragging people to the polls. That's p- keeping your name out there, and there's a difference. I mean, the other thing though that's I think important to note is, and I, t- I, I disagree with, with your statement on the the partisan line. I mean, when he's campaigning, uh, um, George Logan presents himself as an independent, really. But when you look at his votes, I mean, I, I don't know if if anybody's got his voting record here, but it's been pretty consistently with the state party, you know, as a whole. I don't see him as a maverick up there in any capacity. And Do you think that hurt him? Do you I think you need to listen to him more I, I, than I think it has hurt. I think his rhetoric is one thing, but his voting is another. And particularly, there was a we had a situation. We had you know education, education funding in Ansonia, in Ansonia is yep. a big issue, and. Uh, George Logan came out essentially on the opposite side. He had this rare circumstance where uh, Mayor David Cassetti was standing next to Malloy in agreement on a rework of education cost sharing. Um, at the library a couple of years at ago. At the library a couple of years ago. And uh, George Logan came out against that initiative. He really threw Ansonia under the bus on that um, on that initiative in terms of funds that would have substantially helped Ansonia. And so I was surprised actually that Ansonia voted so substantially for Logan. And I think, you know, out of the 17th, uh, uh, George got, um, or uh, Logan got 54% of the vote or 56% of the vote. You know, I was surprised to see that he won so handily in Ansonia, given the fact that that vote really uh, shortchanged this okay. district. But That's his hometown, that, though. Wait, 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 that, that is the hometown dynamic that that is here. That is the hometown yeah. dynamic, and it's the fact that the work that Senator Logan has put forward being a member of the Senate has been uh, beneficial towards Ansonia in terms of fighting for education funding. Um, I believe he discussed this in uh, one of the debates where uh, one of the bills that uh, was put forward was for 89 million in funding across the entire 17th district, and another was for 109 million, and he was advocating on that behalf. Now there also are more components to that bill, obviously, um, but I think when people look at Senator Logan's voting record, it's consistently been fighting for our towns. I guess you guys will disagree with this uh, uh, on George Logan's, uh, you know white knightism i guess for on behalf of ansonia but regardless of that it, it was brought up in the debate that that just that that vote um that was like the first i mean i had known about it but that was the first time i had heard about it publicly in the context of the campaign 
So my question to you would be like, why wasn't that made a bigger deal of considering Logan won against Joe Crisco in 2016 by less than a thousand votes or yeah, less than a thousand votes. He should have had a, a statewide target on his back from, from the entire democratic party to oust him, uh, after his first term. So so why yeah. wasn't there more of a, a well, push? There was that effort. There was that effort that came in from the PACs. Um, I got the mailers all the time from the democratically organized PACs um, regarding uh, Logan's positions on several different issues, much like there was probably uh, PAC mailers coming out against Cabrera. Um, this was... This race is not something where people knew Logan was going to win, and we still don't know what's going to happen. I'm praying for his victory, though. Uh, this is something where the 17th district is a battleground district, much like uh, the 33rd district is. Um, all the many of the other uh, senatorial districts are. This wasn't a guaranteed win. Um, and I guess looking at the history of this district, yeah, too, one thing I yeah. realized on election, Joe Crisco held that thing for a couple of generations, right? Yeah. What a, mm -hmm. a Republican hasn't held it since. 84, Ethan? Is that what we were saying? No, you're thinking of or the 104th oh, I'm getting my dud chick yes, confused. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Well, how long was Crisco in there? I don't know. So, I thought it was 16 years. Time, yeah. I thought, yeah, I heard. I, I, I don't so know. if you look, uh, the last time that the, the Democrats won this seat was in 2010. They won with 60% of the vote. When Logan won in um, 2014, um, he picked it up with 52% of the vote. Um you know, I think what's also interesting is, is voter turnout. You know, so we talk about energy, like was, was you know, de uh, energy and enthusiasm on the Democrat side. I think 100% in terms of volunteer activity. But we saw turnout increase um, both on the Republican and Democrat side. So you, you can see actually uh, compared to 2014. So uh, Logan won in 2014 with approximately 2,500 votes. He won with 2016, you mean? No, 2014. He wasn't I'm running about in 2014. Midterm election. He wasn't running in 2014. Yeah, this is his, was his first term. 2016 was the first oh, race. Maybe I got my numbers wrong. Um, yeah, so never mind on that point. It probably was meant to be 2016. So should we talk? I mean, it's interesting to bring up uh, the education uh, component because then if you look at the Rochelle Yauman race where it's Ansonia Derby, I would assume that something like the Ansonia education uh, controversy would have much more uh, legs, for lack of a better word, uh, in that race than Logan Cabrera, since like Woodbridge don't care, huh? generally speaking. Uh, were there any specific, uh, and I mean, you look at the Rochelle well, and Yauman race. Yauman voted for the, the but yeah. he was directly involved in the, yeah, in the budget was, cut, so yeah, yeah. And it was an issue that was uh, raised. Uh, you know, Cara Rochelle had done I, mean, I guess going into it, I was thinking, okay, Carousel helped launch the Young Democrats of Naugatuck Valley, of which you guys are, are involved in. Uh, she sort of, uh, not orchestrated, but she brought new blood into the Democratic Party in Derby, I know. Not, but some people in that party are not fans. Of, so she, there was some anger over her because of whatever transpired in Derby and her sort of bringing in new blood to that party. That's anywhere you go, though. She, Anytime somebody tries well, to bring new blood into a party, the old guard never likes that. Well, Mayor Degato and the Carmen DeCenzo split is specifically what I'm talking about. Right. The, the, you had the Board of Aldermen there hating, the not hating, but at war with uh, the mayor. And uh, so there's there's a lot of... All in the same party? Yeah, everybody in the same party. Where have we heard that I before? Mean, and she couldn't get elected <laughs> to the tax board, is what I'm saying. And that's the knock we would hear. Yeah. Well, she yeah. couldn't even get elected to the tax yeah. board. She I mean, in fairness... Too liberal. Uh, 
Rochelle spent a lot of her time in that campaign, really working for, um, you know, for, for, for the, the top of the ticket, yeah. Degato in that race. She really wasn't focused on, on winning her race. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and Degato and then lost. Degato lost. Yeah. You know, the 17th district is a dynamic district. You know, it covers, you know, a wide range of municipalities with different economic circumstances. The 104th is, is concentrated, you know, relatively small geography, densely populated area. The economy is drawn correctly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, but the the economies of Ansonia and Derby are, are almost identical <clears throat> in terms of uh, you know what what the dynamic is there, and so I think there's an opportunity to hone your message specifically to the issues that are concerning your district. Whereas you know the message within the 17th is going to vary widely, whether yeah, you're talking yeah. in Bethany or Woodbridge or Hamden or Ansonia. So, you know, in the 104th, you got Ansonia and Derby, you're, 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 you've got a working class community here. The, the issues that you're talking, you know, you had education on the ballot, you had things like local economy, local economic opportunity, you had things like trains and transportation, you have cost of healthcare. In this community, you, you, you know, you have this essentially the struggle of the American middle class taking place here. Uh, the Rochelle campaign was very much plugged into those issues in delivering that message um, and getting that message out. Um, you know, so well-organized, energetic campaign that really mobilized vol- volunteers in a way to, to um, she's the second highest vote getter in, um, in Ansonia. Uh, of, all, of all candidates that were on the ballot, uh, Rochelle was the second highest vote getter. What's your reaction to that? See, I'm, what I was trying to say before was that, uh, you know, there were some negatives coming into this, and the fact that she did what she did so handily is pretty mm. amazing. So, David Papson, what is your reaction to that race? I mean, the only thing I could say is props to Kara. She worked her ass off. Um, she's a hard worker. She's a go-getter. She campaigned on the issues. And that's not to say that Joe didn't. We essentially replicated the same exact strategy of this is how our positions, meaning Kara and Joe, how their positions uh, would affect your life if they were your state representative. And I think Kara's positions definitely resonated with the people of Ansonia and Derby. Um, I I also think that uh, you have to take a look at the dynamic of Ansonia. And just because we might have a Republican administration in office doesn't mean that we're a Republican city. We're a city that votes by conscious, uh, yeah, by our conscious, where people are (laughs) town that votes uh based on you know the people that come to our door it's not just that we're voting republican just because we have a republican administration and sonia actually our party registration is seven to one democrat over republican so a result like this i mean linda gentiles that in 20 seconds say it it again not seven to one put that microphone closer uh it's approximately i think it's close to i'll interrupt both of you and say that as of last november it was uh 3,164 Democrats, 1,597 yeah, Republicans, okay. yeah. 4,057 unaffiliated. Okay, so that's probably yeah. where usually, I that usually there, the yeah. case, unaffiliated. Shout out 7, to the unaffiliates. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, to your point. Uh, Whose point? Whose point, yeah. David, both of David and Tarek's points. Um, like go, going into this race, Yaman ran against Gentile uh, two years ago. Uh, it was uh, she won with 57% of the vote. And I, th- I thought, like, by the same principle of, of Miller running for state offices, like, that got his name out there to, like, the whole district. He's going to come back in 2018, yeah. run again. He's going he's gonna to do better. I thought he was going to run against Gentile. When Gentile announced, she, uh, announced her retirement, 
and it became Rochelle versus Yaman, I thought Yaman had a pretty much sewn up. It was his his to lose. Was and the- then given like the given the the fact that Ansoni and uh, Derby are now Republican administrations, given the couple re- the trend in the recent election, but looking at the numbers from Tuesday, uh, Rochelle got fifty six point nine percent of the vote, just just less than uh, Gentile in terms of percentage. Yeah. Um, so. I mean, like to, to David's point, it, it appears that she just did work the district and uh, get it done. She did. She she worked her ass off, like I said. And again, props to her for that. She campaigned well on the issues. Um, looking, Do you think the education uh, issue here in Ansonia hurt uh Mr. Yalman? Uh, I think it definitely played into some people's votes. Um, I think those people were pretty decided anyway on who they're going to be voting for, whether it been Democrat or Republican. Um, but definitely some people were affected by that. And that's just that just goes to show that there needs to be more education done on that uh, issue. And let me ask you this uh, back. Eugene just alluded to it a couple minutes ago when the campaign first started. Uh, it w- there was a Connecticut Post story that revealed that uh, Kara didn't actually live in the 104th district she lives a street across the street from it essentially i think is fair to say um at the time mr yaman said i don't plan to use this i'm not going to go negative uh the week before election (laughs) day the ansonia gop had a post saying like oh she doesn't live in the district how about that so why why did you go negative i guess in the in the closing i think that was a pack mailer yeah i'd like to hear the answer Um, I mean, Joe really didn't have any input on that message. Uh, the Antonio GOP was just there to advocate. No, it's actually it's true. Said, although I everybody it brought say, it up downstairs it's that night. Everybody was that. saying, oh, does this mean she's going to move into the district? It well, was, I hope she moves into the district. Why not bring Come to Antonio. She's more than welcome to Antonio. I And then it was brought up, so that's why I was asking the question. Oh, wait a second. You hope she moves to Ansonia instead of Derby? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Start showing her places. It's most of the districts so, of 104. Yeah, she, anyway. I believe she. Yeah. Has no, it's just yeah, the rivalry no, between Anson and Derby. She already has I'm sorry. Cool. Say that again. She has, she's. She already has a place. She has. She's had it since she found out about in the issue. In Derby or Ansonia? Cool. Ansonia. Ah, all right. Well, she took care of it immediately. Yeah. Cool. Ansonia, huh? What's that supposed to mean? Eugene feels slighted. What I don't get is I got I got knocking on my door when I'm all hungover is uh, oh, uh, the cold clarity is Dietra. I'm like, what? <laughs> what is Seymour doing representing me on Hawthorne Avenue? Who drew that district? You're welcome. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're welcome. I, I will say as a... Nothing against you know, I'm cold. certainly not a neutral observer, but I'm not somebody who lives in the district. I will say that that whole issue was dirty from the from the get-go. Um, I believe... and, and David, Dirty? I think it was dirty. I believe... How do you pass that up, though? I believe the issue was known well before it came out, and I'm sure David will refute that, but it, I, I believe, and it, many people believe it was known before it came out. We asked the town repeatedly if she lived well, in the district. Well, when, when she first said, announced, yeah, 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 yeah. like, the, mm. the, the actual documents from the registrars, the street-by-street lists would have shown her address being in the district. Oh, correct. 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 But it, yeah. I think I think that this, uh, it was a political move to release it when it was released, I think, because uh, it was released by the well, Republican m- town chairman of Derby. And I well, believe... It was a, Mike <laughs> Mako, a Connecticut Post Mike Mako story. Oh, that's so. that's a shock. But, um, yeah. um, but anyways, and then, of course, to say, hey, we're not going to make an issue of this, and then it was an issue right before the election. That That's a dirty move, but it's, you know, that's that's politics, I guess. Just, the to, side just to add on to that, uh, speaking for myself, I found out about that like when this story came out. So no, no, uh, the Republican chairman in Derby, I believe, is is the culprit of the dirtiness in I, that regard. I can't comment on that because I don't know. 
on a brighter note, though, something super exciting about this race is the turnout figures. Um, both parties really hold that microphone a little. Both parties now. garnering um, significantly more votes than the last midterm election in the state rep race, um, specifically, um, which I think is you know being the red the uh, uh, incoming registrar, registrar of voters. Elect, um, you know, will, will make us happy. And in Sonia, it was a, is approximately 15% higher in the in, uh, 2018 election than it was in the 2014 midterm election. Wasn't it like 67% voter turnout in Sonia? 67% versus 51% yeah. in 2014. So big jump, you know. That's um, pretty consistent with the statewide numbers. Yeah. 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 We were slightly higher than uh, the state. So good. W- well done, Ansonia residents, on getting out to vote. I mean, Democrats still have this issue of Republicans are more go will go out to vote and it's actually interesting if you look at um, the US uh, representative race Rosa DeLauro versus Cadona Cadona Cadena Cadena his vote totals in the presidential election in 2016 were almost identical to his midterm election. So that's how reliable the Republican votes were. That's amazing. On that side, whereas uh, Rosa lo- loses like 3,000 votes within within Ansonia alone uh, between the 2016 presidential election versus 2018. So it, the Democrats still got to do a lot better job turning out those those uh, those presidential Democrats, as we call them, the ones that only come out for, for presidential well, let me, races. Let me ask you that. Per, pursuant to that, let me ask you that. Uh, uh, pursuant, what are you trying a case, counselor? Kara's Kara's election night victory party. Uh, I talked to Beth Lynch, former town clerk uh, in Ansonia. She's been you know been uh, around city politics for a long time, and she was saying like you know this is this shows Ansonia's turning back blue. People are paying more attention paying attention to what's going on at city hall sort of alluding to the the school funding fight do you think do you agree do you think that's it's, uh, it's trending in the right direction for for I dems mean, beth beth has, has witnessed politics and and um in sonia for much longer than i have but it's it's hard to say that when you have stefanowski winning uh you know by 600 votes in ansonia you know winning so dominantly uh when you have uh, senator logan um, winning so dominantly in Ansonia, it's hard to say that we're turning blue. Um, I think what it says, you know, which is pretty, from my short-term observation, is that Ansonia voters are discerning, and they will not vote across the line. They will discern between candidates across parties, um, and it really matters how much you show up um, and, and, and you know bring bring your full game. Um, and that, uh, that's really what, what, but I will say that it's, that, that victory has energized the party. It has, you know, in, it through, through this election, we have garnered support and enthusiasm among a, a solid core of Democrat volunteers, new, new people coming into the party. Really, actually, it started in the election of last year. Uh, the municipal election where I was running against Mayor Cassetti, um, lots more people coming into the party. Um, and then this really just this the, throughout this campaign, it's revved up. Uh, Are you going to run for mayor them. again? Uh, undecided at this point. I thought I could sneak that yeah. in there. <laughs> well, should we now switch to the town of Seymour? Sure. Where uh, I mean, the thing we should note about all this, we're talking about uh, you know Democrats and Democrats, but like the, the Republicans have an iron fist, an ironclad grasp <laughs> on Shelton. Uh, and then they they had like massive turnout, right? For yeah, Shelton went very very Shelton's heavy very red. red turnout. 
uh, and then Seymour. That's just the way they're trending, I feel, though. Sure. Yeah, I, I want to give a little context that from what I see. Because um, I don't even think Nicole Clyder's teacher really didn't have an opponent this time. I mean, yeah. she he did, or she did, but I didn't, yeah, there was some I didn't know that until I read it in, in uh, the Citizen News. Kevin right. McDuffie was running. Right. Kevin uh, McDuffie was, was running. the Democrat candidate. Um, so I, I have, obviously, some thoughts about Seymour, and I haven't done my full my full analysis yet. Um, but jumping off the page at me is, is the fact that, you know, more people voted red in Seymour than they have even in any of the most recent elections, which uh, have all gone red to varying degrees. But if, if we're being honest here, Seymour is in a tough place for these kind of elections. We have uh, two Senate districts in Seymour, which is crazy. Mm. And we're on the absolute outskirt of both. Uh, we don't even have a land border with the 21st, which is, you know, we have a part of that district. And then the 32nd district is two-thirds of Seymour, and that district encompanies uh, Bridgewater, Bethlehem, <laughs> Roxbury, a lot of towns. It's, it's that all over the place. I would say, I would say towns that like, 85% of people who live in Seymour have never even been to slash heard of. <laughs> so, <laughs> you, like, so if I live in Seymour, Where am Dustin I, Hoffman lives, though. Right, <laughs> yeah. So... Th- there's no. It's got to be hard to, to build interest in these races. Yeah. Like, so who, it's, it's what, what who is who so, represents me? Yeah. It's kind of crazy. And, and the thirty second district is about as Republican a district as there is in the state. The twenty first isn't far behind. Uh, the one hundred fifth has traditionally been a swing district, our rep district. Um, but like you said, we had a candidate um, on the Democratic side who didn't run the kind of ground campaign that's necessary to make a big splash. Um, and, and quite frankly, the most popular. Uh, Republican that perhaps exists in the Valley holds that seat right now uh, in Nicole. So it, it, the, the odds were, the deck was Shout stacked against us. Um, and then you add that to the fact that Kurt is on the ballot and that drives people to the polls in mm. a big way. And then even add more on top of that, the Democrats, you know, I, you know, I, the, the buck stops with me, but the Democrats, we ran very little campaigning in Seymour. I would say we knocked about a thousand doors this year total, which is way down from where we need to be. Um, our, a lot of our most loyal volunteers actually worked on Kara's campaign. Um, as, and, you know, we, we had people working on uh, Monica Brill's campaign, who was running for the 21st as well. But the focus for that race couldn't really be on Seymour because there's only, you know, two, two or 3,000 votes um, in Seymour for that campaign. So we, you know, the numbers were bad for Democrats. If you look at it, we were like the 16th highest state for uh stefanowski in terms of percentage or uh town rather like 15th 16th highest for stefanowski um but i I think you know kurt being on the ballot nicole being on the ballot with a weak challenge and just the fact that the democrats didn't we didn't do the groundwork there uh i I think that's the biggest contributor to those numbers now as a citizen of seymour do you think kind of like how aunt sonia goes do you think people just vote based on party lines or do you think they they vote based on the person no i don't think I don't think there's a lot of communities where people vote straight on party lines. There's a lot of people who vote straight on party lines all over the place, but communities don't necessarily go party lines. There's so many unaffiliated voters. Unaffiliated yeah. voters outnumber. Shelton is Demo- red, though, right? <coughs> right. Well, Shelton's pretty consistently red. Right. Well, well, think about the main vote getter in Shelton. Somebody who's been there 30 years and hardly ever faces any kind of challenge. I tried to vote the straight working families line. <laughs> <laughs> not, all the, not all the candidates. A lot started going on. Not all the racist <laughs> candidates. So. But, I think um, to the point that we get back to a little bit with the 104th, people, especially at the local le- level, vote issues. Um, 
you know, whether the Republican or the Democrat has the issues they like, that's the person that a big swath of people will go for. And, and I think people take a lot of pride in splitting tickets. Even even Democrats and Republicans, they love saying, hey, I don't always I, vote for my guy. I split my I, ticket, damn it. I, I, <laughs> and this is something that probably gets me in a lot of trouble with Democrats. I've split my ticket in some capacity almost every single year I voted. And, you know, I'm the, the leader of the Democrats in Seymour. So I don't I don't always go for our guy necessarily. Listen, I'm the same um, with, the, with, the, with, uh, with the Republicans on the issues. I, I go either way on the issues depending yeah. on how I feel. But again, you know. All politics is local. People like splitting their ticket. So if you find somebody who who's going to put in the work and is going to advocate for the issues you care about, um, I think that can transcend party lines a lot of times. So all politics are local. Let's get as local. Let's get dirty local. <laughs> oh, dirty. dear Lord. <laughs> charter I don't like where this is going. Okay, good. You saved it there. Seymour <laughs> Charter Revision. All right, everyone turn turn the podcast off now, please. There's nothing dirtier than a giant ball of oil. Okay, I'm Seymour a little charter bit ignorant revision. towards this. What is going on there? Sure, I could I can give you a quick rundown. Well, it's routine charter revision. It's, so it's just every every community, to my knowledge, has a charter. Basically, the constitution of the town. Um, you know, basically everybody kind of knows what a constitution is. So every, you know, incrementally, you update the charter. We're not like we're not like America where. A document 250 years ago is good enough, and we're just going to leave it at that. <laughs> we are, uh, you know, we, we try to continually update our document. And the process that that happens is any changes to the charter have to go before the voters at referendum. Right. Hey, listen, if somebody's listening to this podcast uh, an hour in, they know what charter revision is. <laughs> oh, for sure. So you had what? Sure. You had like 16,000 questions, though. But like question no, so, one was 19 so we, we, questions. We had eight questions, and question one <laughs> Consisted of six individual questions that our town attorney. I guess what I should we should, we're burying the lead. People voted no on some things people that are, you felt were very sound. People basic. did some very, um, to be politically correct, strange things <laughs> at the, in their in the voting booth this year. And I think yeah, what's what are some of them? Sure, uh, number one. <laughs> oh boy, this is number good. one. This is good on question kinda... number six. This is a question. <laughs> we're getting into the fun. This part is a question now. that that dealt with. Shall the town charter be amended to fix grammar mistakes, typos, you know, just procedural things, yeah. you know, basically fixing periods, right. making sure, um, you know, male, female descriptors line up, things that simple. Right. We, like the Antonio Charter at one point, oh, right. no, no, it was the pounding and zoning, had something like no, oh, yeah. no drunks or yeah, whatever. Yeah, it had all these sure. weird terms. Things yeah. like it's that. It's very yeah. basic. So we, we had 1,095 people from the humble town of Seymour that came out and voted no for that. I mean, I, I'm, <laughs> I, 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 I genuinely, without without passing judgment, would like to hear from somebody who voted no, and I'd like to hear why, because it doesn't make a lick of sense to me right now. Perhaps as somebody who was involved in the process for the last year um, intimately, and, and I helped write these questions, I don't get it. Um, but yeah, and, and, and I'm joking a little bit, but these were things that people worked on oh, for yeah, a full year, I think like a lot of people, three times nobody, a week or whatever nobody was, un- like, Nobody understands, and it's not necessarily their fault. Um, but nobody understands that n- that the Charter Revision Commission is a nine-member body of volunteers with the town attorney with them the whole step of the way. These people met two to three times per month since the beginning of 2018 uh, with constant input and feedback from the Board of Selectmen, seven people, volunteers. Um, and, and we came up with things that we really thought uh, would have broad appeal. Not all of these eight questions we thought would have broad appeal. There was a couple that we were trying to get a pulse of the community. Town manager. Right. Town manager, for example. Um, term limits was one. And this is another fascinating one to me. We had a question on the ballot where shall we, shall the town 
increase the first selectman's term to four years and institute term limits together. We all got together and said, we don't want to do one without the other. Two years just isn't enough to be effective. You know, Kurt will talk about this all the time. I will agree with him 100%. We're on opposite sides of a lot of issues, you know, politically. Um, but on this one, we're, we're lockstep. Um, you know, the first six months, you're trying to figure out what to do, try to get your feet wet. The last year, you're running for re-election. Mm. So you may not want to do something controversial that needs to be done. So you really have six months of effective leadership during those two years. If you if you move that out to four years, you give a first selectman time to set their agenda, do what they need to do. And then in four years, the voters have a real opportunity to take a thorough look at what they've done. It's more like a full-time job. Yeah, two years it, it is like, a full-time job. It's an absolutely full-time job. When you do it in two job. years, it, it's kind of like, it's, eh. it's like, and I, I think the yeah. same thing about Congress people. I think the same thing about our state legislators. Two years is not enough time to make right. effective, tough decisions. Completely agree. It's just not. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, but we wanted... Like, no! But we wanted, disagree, though. But we wanted, we wanted to do that and couple it with term limits because you've seen a lot of communities where somebody gets in and then name recognition carries them to, to long, long terms. Um, and, and it's not always justified. Sometimes it is. A lot of times it's not. But it's always good to see... I think it's always good to see new leadership after a certain period of time. Even Kurt would say 12 years, which is what we were proposing as a maximum, is enough time to complete everything that you'd like to do and then get out of the way for somebody else to take over. Um, but voters said just for the first selectman? Just for the first selectman. Voters said no to that in a very tight margin, actually, less than 200 votes um, out of about 7,000. Yet we had an advisory question at the end, question eight, which was – for general term limits, term limits on all elected boards, and that passed five to one. So, does the first selectman is the first selectman included in that? So, oh so yeah, what since, happens to well, anything that passed? I didn't even well, ask since, that. Well, since so questions seven and eight, seven was the town manager question, and that failed. Was that a trick question? <laughs> the town manager question? <laughs> Wait, no, no. The, the fact that if, if, if the selectman, the first selectman, no. is included so, in, no, in it that, was not, it was not. We on, honestly, I think we all believed that 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 the first selectman question would pass fairly comfortably. Um, we all were kind of marching to that, to that tune, um, and uh, you know I'm not speaking for everybody, I guess, but I, I think everybody who recommended it, including the full charter revision commission and the board of selectmen, there was some minor disagreements, but I think it went six to one on board of selectmen to include that question. Um, so we all thought it was going to pass, but then you look at the general term limits, and that one nobody was really sold on it. We were kind of like, hey, let's see where the town is. So it's it's a non-binding question that doesn't go into effect overnight. Um, that's something the town will now study and try to figure out the feasibility of it. But you, it's tough to ignore a five-to-one vote on anything. <laughs> so <laughs> even if you're not, it would be prudent of leadership to um, to to take a real close look at this because it is five-to-one in the town. But the, the flip side is what people are voting for, and they may not understand, is that we have a hard time on some of the lower boards finding people to Getting run. people in there, yeah. And we have an even harder time finding qualified people to run on some of these boards you know we couple this with the fact the town overwhelmingly supported keeping the planning and zoning commission as an elected board um which i would argue is kind of a hodgepodge of people who don't really know what they're doing on that board right now and i'm sorry to those people on the board but we need <laughs> chris bowen well he's <laughs> oh, no. but even chris bowen is, is has no planning and zoning training but he's, you know, he's a diligent worker and he's learning his ropes, and that's great. But there's a lot of people; they're, they're just average civilians, and they they throw their name on the ballot because it's a, it's an elected position, and they win. And we don't; ha it's not necessarily we have experts, so we have to have a town engineer. It's a technical position. And, and yeah. the town, you know, and the town planner and attorneys handholding the entire time because a lot of these people don't don't know what the statutes are and they don't know what they can or can't do, and that's not a fault to those people. 
it's just a it's just a Complex fall of the role. system. Yeah. So we have people who are overwhelmingly saying, let's keep this in elected position, but let's put term limits on them. So if we do find somebody who knows exactly what they're doing and is going to be a great asset to the town, they got to go after a certain amount of time. It's it. So there's yeah, a lot of contradictory. I mean, Larry, term limits on surgeons. That's the common. The common. Uh, I mean, absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> not. I was kind of <laughs> bewildered on some of these things. There was just a lot of. Um, interesting results you know the, and, and just not to get too deep into this i'm just gonna make one last point question four was about the annual town meeting and if we can get rid of it now this this went down 4300 votes to 1900 votes to people can't it, uh, i don't think in the history of us having town meetings we've had 1900 people total cumulatively yeah. if we the had history if, of the town if we've been having a town <laughs> meeting since 18 the 1850s when we when we were incorporated as a town i don't think a grand total of 1900 people have shown up to the meeting i can tell you that kurt read his presentation to me <laughs> last year in me alone Did i was hold literally hands? and oh, i'm an elected official though. in the town and i was the closest thing to, to public that there was they, they don't people don't show up they don't come but they come out and they vote almost four to one to keep the town meeting in place. Why are you keeping it in place if you don't show up? And it's just a it's just a thing that moves the budget to referendum where you get to vote on it anyways. So I don't get it. I want somebody to kind of explain to me yeah, what is their that thinking because, is. Is that, is that just pretty much because nobody's paying attention to charter revision at all? I know when we nope. write articles so, about it. Yeah, right. Well, so and so like, like, so the I, I remember in, in, in Ansonia a couple yeah, of years ago there was a it. proposal <laughs> to you know, reduce the number of wards. They did a bunch of other things. Um, and we were getting letters every week, vote yes on this, vote no on this, et cetera. Like, I don't remember getting one letter about the... No, you Kurt absolutely. Miller came in here no. once and talked about it, but it, it didn't seem like people were trying to, to make it... should have campaigned on that, stuff. We're, on we're, this. We're, we're, <laughs> we're trying to make people aware of it. I mean, so I think that maybe that's... That just comes down to voter education, though. Right. Like, even so, with the statewide questions, not right. a lot of people knew what they were right. talking like, about. The voting statewide for. questions both passed overwhelmingly. And yeah. I don't think I could find five people in the state that understood the second question, right? The, the question about public lands. They don't understand the full ramifications of yeah. it. Because, like, I didn't really understand it until I had a state rep explain it to me thoroughly, you know? Um, but, but with that said about the charter revision thing, it's, I don't know how the town can do a better job. The town needs to somehow do a better job of educating the public, but I don't know how they could because we had many public hearings on the issue. We had about six to eight board of selectmen meetings that touched on the issue. And then the Charter Revision Commission, I didn't go back and look, but met somewhere between 20 and 40 times. Did and they all out, of those meetings are open to the public. Every did they single send one out of them. an index card? <laughs> <laughs> they didn't. But, you know, it, then, so, so we have people... We have people voting no on a grammar issue, and maybe that's because they don't think the town should spend money fixing that. Yet, yet oh. it would cost probably fifteen thousand dollars to send like a mailer out to everyone in the town to give them an education. So I don't know if people want that. What do people want? We have to figure You're that out. You're creating a base by doing that. Mm. Sorry. Yeah, we do, we we just have to figure out a better way to uh, engage the voters. I actually talked to one of the poll workers at one of the locations, and they told me that as many as like thirty to fifty people actually had problems with their ballots because there were so many questions. There was people who literally uh, took their ballots, threw it on the ground, and walked out of the polling that place. That was my only thing I was thinking. If There were so many questions on there. Nobody likes to read. It's right, but it's, it's a problem with the state charter. The, the state charter tells us that we have, or the, the state statutes. Like two on there. Make it just limited yeah, to two questions. But you can't do that because people complained about the first question has too many parts to it. 
So it's yeah, it's <laughs> whatever you do, it doesn't do. matter what yeah. you're gonna do. People are gonna complain about it either way. Oh. It's, it's, it's a difficult. Facebook. <laughs> we have to find a balance. <laughs> this has been put on the town's Facebook page. This has been put on the town website. We had you know three to four dozen oh, and, uh, meetings about this, and 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 nobody showed up to give their two cents. But then the voters come out and have these astounding totals, and and we just have to figure out where the disconnect is. Did you ever hear people talking about these questions no, behind the scenes? That's disappointing. Uh, people, though. people, a lot of people actually that I know came up to me and asked me when they realized these questions were going to be on mm-hmm. the ballot. Typically, in the last two to three days before election day, when that's people not good. Started though. doing their research, that's and then I tried to lay it out for them. And the people I talked to, I think, by and large, would have voted yes to almost everything mm-hmm. because you know, we we made these in 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 mind that people would vote yes at least to the binding questions. We mm-hmm. figured all the binding questions would be a slam dunk, and they just it wasn't really close. I wonder if part of it is because we've covered uh, a derby charter revision, but it's there was no there's no controversy. I hate to say it, and I think that's what the only thing that gets people to pay attention to yeah, charter vision you're probably right if you're trying to sneak something it gotta by be more controversial in ansonia there was the 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 ward reduction that was yeah. like the and hot that, something that yeah that that did get a lot people. of people talking i, think I mean i, I think it, like the because combining kinda, the town and board of ed budgets i'm shocked that came as close as it is to passing it it was a six 16 votes which I'm sh- I, is I thought that would that would have gone down more than that recount that's within the realm of a mandatory recount so i i is that in the I'm charter? Not, I'm not necessarily advocating for a recount, but I think that we might want to look <laughs> at the results again. Um, but that you're right. That's that's such a hot button issue, and nobody really paid attention because that if had that gone into play, maybe when people realized that it was happening when they went to vote for the next budget and they saw only one question, I think we would have been inundated with people freaking out about that it changed. Um, but so that's I, that's an interesting one to me. On too. this issue, um, all interesting to me. Every so single one of these was interesting to me. And Sonia is, is supposed to, was supposed to be taking up the issue of potentially separating the education budget yeah. from the from uh, from the city budget. So what was? And you guys are doing the ex, you you propose doing the exact opposite. Yeah. So what was this? So what's the, what's the theory? So it's there's always a, a faction of people who believe that the budgets. Um, should be the opposite way that they are voted on because they want them to either pass or fail and they believe that the other way will make it work. So that's that's a motivator for some people. Um, our motivation for trying to combine the budgets, the budgets had been combined at one time and then we changed them to separate and now we wanted to go back to combined. And, and our reasoning for that was we've made great efforts um, to kind of streamline the town and board of education and try to not make them at odds. You see some towns where they're at odds. You know, I, I'm not sure which towns necessarily, <laughs> but some of them. And um, we, we don't want that, and we want to share services as much as we can. We've, we've made great strides towards hiring people at the director level who can serve a role for both the town and board of education so that we're not paying too big salaries to, for half the work. Um, and, and we're doing a great job in some of those things, and we thought that combining the budgets um, would be a way to, to try to limit some of the vilification of one side or the other and, and just present a, a, a unified front as a town. That's something Kurt was big on and I, and I supported him on that as well. Um, I'm sure it wasn't popular with everybody. I, I don't know who voted which way, but the land is steady. We'll habits. have to figure it out. <laughs> no, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like it's a town where a, a zero increase school budget was voted down a few years ago. Yes. So like, I mean, yeah. yeah. Back when it was, we uh, haven't had that problem. Fiscal a, conservatives. Yeah, we haven't had that problem in a while. Yeah. And now thank God we haven't had that problem because we don't need any more ECS funding cut from us. Uh, we've suffered enough 
And, and I hear Ansonia complaining about the state <laughs> funding, and then you look over at Seymour, and we've lost multiple millions of dollars. Listen, and this is a widespread issue. Yeah. It's not just yeah. a one-size-fits-all so, thing. Uh, yeah, we, we had, a, we had a, tough, a tough blow from the state. Um, but that's, that's it. We've probably taken way too much time on the Seymour Charter Revision. <laughs> I don't think so. Fascinating. No, I, I thought yeah. that was the most interesting conversation, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll, what I'll do is I'll cut out Miller's intro, and we'll just <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, can, <laughs> we can get rid of that. We don't and it'll be all, it'll all Seymour Charter Revision. All right, guys. Is there anything else? You, I, I think that's it. Unless there's some burning question or comment or something buried in Tarek's charts there <laughs> that you wanted to bring up. Uh, other than that, I guess we'll call it a day. David Papson, thank you so much. Thank you. Tarek Raslin, Stefan Bahuniak, Ethan Fry. This is Eugene Driscoll. See you next time. For hundreds of years, we brought you the news. For the info, we gave you the clues. Owners' profits were always sky high. Changing market now threatens our lives. Post literation, critical reading, dumbed down nation, signs of inbreeding, TV sucking ideas from our head, public discourse, just about dead. We'll ride the dinosaur. Yeah, ride the dinosaur. Our readers are in the opens each day.
subscribers Still other fans We're here every day So give us a chance And we'll make an art stand Just hold us in your hand Yeah, and we'll ride the dinosaur Yeah, ride the dinosaur Dinosaur. Dinosaur.